Okay, so Vlad, digitalization, digital transformation, business transformation, all these sweet, sweet buzzwords that uh, are becoming ever more common. Ever heard of them? I've heard of them a few times. <laughs> <laughs> They're really popular, especially now with the COVID uh, pandemic. I think uh, digitalization is a word that uh, is in, mentioned in every company uh, nowadays. And uh, I think it's, a, it's an interesting topic to discuss in this episode. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, uh, it's very interesting. But uh, once again, we always pick this uh, uh, interesting buzzwords that kind of almost, almost become industries by themselves. So today, what we want to talk a little bit about is try to demystify digitization and digital transformation given what we've read and our work experience. And so basically we're gonna start with, okay, for everybody I think it's relevant, but sorry, it's uh, understandable why it's relevant. So we're gonna dive into, okay, let's make it simple. What exactly is digitalization? Then we're gonna talk about some uh, examples of that, dive a bit deeper into that, and then go over some bottlenecks and main things to consider if you own a business or if you're a consultant or if you're just curious about, okay, what exactly is digital transformation? So uh, in our opinion, digital transformation taps into three main things. And when I say digital transformation, please take that uh, as a synonym for all the other buzzwords so far. So anything related to digital business transformation, what have you. At the end of the day, it taps onto at least one of those next three things. One is process automation. So you optimize certain processes from your business. The other one is the creation of new digital touch points or journeys, so to speak, so new screens. And the third is basically uh, kind of perhaps a consequence or it's related to the other two, and it's new ways of working. So once again, what is digitalization? Essentially, first automation, new front ends, and new ways of working or a combination of those three. Um, now, first topic, we talk about process automation. Yeah, sounds simple enough, I guess, but there are some more concrete examples. So for example, if you think about RPA, and RPA's robot process automation is basically when you apply tech governed by business logic and structured inputs with a goal to automate a certain process. So for example, say that you're in the back office that your company has to process uh, certain documents and check it to fulfill uh, a client request that of course many times depending on how compliance pressure you might need like the two white principle there but essentially it's like going from just strictly manual inputs so you have people there checking things writing it and somebody checks it out versus certain levels of automation there so instead of somebody writing down the inputs it's already you it's already fetched so to speak, the form is already partially filled or completely filled, and then fewer people have to check it. But essentially, automate, automated process is just that. You, you kind of map out a value stream, you see what is needed given the triggers, given the actors involved and the data inputs, and you try to automate that. And I think what's, why this is interesting is because honestly, from what I've read and experienced, that's one of the biggest potential winners for transformation. Many times when people think of transformation, they just think of like, oh, I'm gonna really start we're gonna have blockchain, we're gonna have big data, we're gonna have what have you. But many times the biggest win is actually the automation of processes and eventually even the, especially in the back end and in the 
the back office, so operations, so the, uh, the automation of processes within your operations usually leads to the biggest and most concrete gains in terms of uh, better, a better cost model, you save money, but also you free people to do more interesting things because honestly, I don't think many people's life dream is to just basically do administrative work. So the more we automate those tasks, the more we free workers to learn new things and to do things that demand more creativity. They're more fit for people instead of machines. Yeah, Does that make sense? Yeah, I agree. And I think also one thing to add is that uh, the exercise of really automating those processes, those backend processes, really guide you through, through really analyzing them and guide you through this, uh, all those steps that you need to do to really understand the process uh, and uh, find the systems and build it up in order to automate it. And I think this is an important step for what you are talking later to, for, the, for the future where we want to maybe uh, implement a more complex system, implement something really that brings value to, to your company, but you don't have the, the base, you know, you don't have maybe the, the, the first step. So those are like the building blocks, I think, for, for, for more complex systems that you want to, to implement in the, in the future. And also for many companies, culturally speaking, it will uh, help them, uh, it will be a good exercise to, to get used to, to this uh, uh, digital thinking you know another buzzword <laughs> <laughs> digital thinking with yeah. digital natives and yeah scale digital yeah no but essentially i think that's the point here is we're trying to demystify given our experience not really what digitalization is and that's a huge chunk and if you look at the because we said three three main pillars right so process optimization new journeys and the new ways of working the second point which is the new front end or journey so to speak that's kind of the flashy part and the exciting one, I guess, because yes. essentially I for, uh, it would be something along the lines of being supported by process, of course, you create new screens, you have new touch points with your clients. So say you have, uh, you sell, you say you're working finance, I don't know, and essentially you sell a product, they usually just buy the phone, so that, hey, maybe we want to facilitate the sale directly via the website. So maybe you need to, to create a whole new flow where the client can request a product him or herself. And that's usually, it's exciting because you can really think about and can really apply new uh, design principles here. And I think if you, if you guys ever read anything about uh, design thinking or lean startup, the, that's the main thing that people think about. It's the exciting front end, is what you see, is what you feel, is what you touch. And it's, an, it's also a part of the transformation, of course, is the creation of new front ends, these new touch points. And, but it's not just, for clients, essentially, because I, as I said at the beginning, this is about client journeys, but can also be employee journeys. So if you also expand a bit on the whole pro, uh, RPA part, you know, many times when you create a customer journey, that, it, that has to be supported by other capabilities and by other new processes and by other, perhaps some uh, worker journeys. So then new front ends for your workers that supports the fulfillment of the customer journey as well. And I mean, that's an exciting part, but you can go deeper as well. For, so for example, with front-end, so many people, if you think about front-end, that's very broad, but like, okay, what about a chatbot? A chatbot in this case is also an interesting uh, part of this construct of the, the, the front-ends, I think, because it can help, it can, for one level, it uh, automates the response 
so that it taps into the, the previous points, but it also creates a new touch point with your clients and helps you perhaps segment clients better. So for example, in SaaS, in B2B, chatbots have become a very interesting tool, not in every screen, so not in every stage in your customer journey, but in specific ones where you find out, for example, that most people get stuck on or you have most traffic and you create this kind of automated, um, yeah, reply machine, so to speak, that can very quickly, after you test it, of course, a bit and maybe learns, to segment who are the most highest value clients. And then you can kind of help actually your sales team figure out which clients to pursue more or not, given that. But it's just, but point being is that the, the front end part is also a big part of digitalization. It's the, basically, it's like you're manifesting your value proposition in new ways. You, you, you get, you, it facilitates uh, the reaching, you're reaching out to new customers and to provide value to customers in a different way because the experience itself, I think, is part of value proposition of many companies. That everyone's expectations for, um, you know, customer journeys is kind of skyrocketing right now because of Amazon, because of Paul.com and all those things. We don't, it's really, at least I can speak for myself, if I'm applying for a product, if I'm trying to solve a bureaucratic problem, if the, the customer journey is not really smooth and clear, I get really, I'm very spoiled, I get very frustrated. So then that's a, a market dynamic that leads, that pushes most companies to kind of care about this in terms of their digitalization, in terms of their digital strategy. You need to have good customer journeys, you need to have good employee journeys. Yeah, I agree. And uh, uh, I think uh, what you're saying, the front-end part is really important because uh, I think for many companies now, it offers them the opportunity to really create and uh, test new new ways of getting data in and processing that data uh, and i think you, you many people are are experiencing this now maybe did you see the social dilemma the 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 netflix that oh, not yet have watched uh, it really, it's really interesting it's uh that's like the the future of data processing probably <laughs> that's done the, by the social platforms right now and i think this will trickle down to 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 other companies as well basically like you you gain data and you you know your customer where you can really predict his needs what he wants what he's doing like a lot of things based on 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 the interaction with your with your platform and with your front end so i think we already have the 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 companies that are the social media platforms who are really on the edge like they're the the what the forefront of this and i think this will trickle down to to other industries and uh, companies have now the opportunity to, to gather data and to process it and to really understand their customers better i think so through those processes and uh, i think it's it's really valuable for 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 companies and i think it will be value, valuable for 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 users as well to really have a smooth experience to really have a, a uh experience a, a good customer journey you know where where everything you, you don't have like any bottlenecks you don't have to wait for things you don't have to so i think that's uh in my my perspective i think that's the the future of what's going to happen <laughs> mm -hmm. that's more of a no but it's, i think we can really pick up a little bit data in the next uh topic after we finish mm -hmm describing what digitalization is, but I agree, I think data, of course, is, is an overarching 
theme in this background. Yeah. But uh, but the, the funny thing is because if with the, the when you look at all these companies, even on, we just talked about growth hacking, all this data. I mean, these are the dots in the horizon. But even small steps, for example, knowing your customer journey today. And knowing, for example, it's, it sounds really simple, but many times, you know, running a business is complicated. People don't, if they haven't done it before, they don't necessarily, you know, it sounds really complicated, but they don't necessarily know even, okay, what's the bounce rate on my website? Yeah, yeah. Or what's the conversion? Simple things like how many people enter the steps and how much, these small things, yeah, many times it's regarding data maturity, because it's very exciting to think about predictive models and all this sweet, sweet stuff that Facebook does. But for many businesses, just this very first thing is like, okay, what is the conversion rate? And now connecting with the net, with the, our third pillar for digitalization, which is new ways of working. It's like, okay, uh, how am I seeing my journey? Am I, am I keeping track of, it doesn't have to be super complex and metrics, but do I have a few metrics? Like if, if you agree in your business, okay, one of our goals, even though it's a bit of a lag indicator, is like that um, customer experience or good customer experience would probably increase the likelihood of me conducting my business, of me retaining, but both acquiring uh, clients. Said, okay, that's my hypothesis. How am I measuring, how can I measure that today without needing to hire data scientists? You know, it's not so far, but it's like, okay, what are my conversion ratios? And how, are, how do they change across time? across seasons, those kind of things. And of course, now we're very, we're very anchored in the talk of data, but essentially on a broader level, it talks about a new way of working. It talks about, you know, trying to think of things of value in a different way of like, oh, it's not just how good my product is, but how easy it is for people to get it. And it's about keeping track of certain KPIs and trying to investigate whether they are KPIs, they are the KPIs that I should be following, are they lead indicators? versus lagging indicators or so are they things that if i change now they lead to we're more likely to lead to a concrete change in the short term versus something that is correlated with another thing so an example for very simple example i always use for leading versus lagging it's like if you want to you want to lose weight many people have at some point in their lives they go through this so keeping track of uh you know how much you eat is one indicator, but it could be a lag indicator, depend, but like your, your, the types of food that you eat or your, your calorie intake is many times a better, a lead indicator. It's more predictive of your weight loss than the other example, so to speak. But leaving, getting away from the data parts, just new ways of working. So it's, keep, it's about keeping track of things. It's about, if you think back of our episodes concerning design thinking, concerning growth hacking, it's about also kind of looking at things more in terms of loops, like growth loops, experience loops, and being okay with, okay, we need to constantly test things and being open for that. Being open to, okay, I have a product. How often should I change this functionality? Or how often should I change the channel with which I speak to my customer? On which page do I set a chatbot? And why? The copyright, the copy from the chatbot, is it friendly enough? Is it asking the, the order of the question, so to speak? So... I think this also uh, taps into like culture and everything else, but I think you, the culture part I think is super broad and change management is something I'm not an expert in. I think we should refrain from going too deep into that. But long story short, in our opinion, digital transformation, digitalization, all those sweet buzzwords regarding transformation, they have these three pillars. Process automation, the creation of new front ends or new journeys, whether that's for your client, whether that's for your worker, and new ways of working. So how you how you split your va your value streams 
how you see work itself. And maybe one last example for this part that is interesting, right? Because we talked about that the first pillar, the, uh, the process automation is very relevant, especially for the back office and for operations. So broadly, it, it, to, to actually fulfill that transformation, it's important not just, okay, let's automate things, but also it's, it taps, you need to understand the nature of work differently. Because operations, you, know, you deal with people, it's not just machines. And even if parts of operation is administrative, there are some parts that it's not, you need some creativity. So for example, in a bank, if uh, op operations is responsible for sending letters back to some elderly clients, that's not something easy or simple to do. But then if you automate other things and you give the proper training to them, it's like you can really provide more client value. So it's also about yeah. how you see work, how operations works in and how it adds value to the whole, in the whole chain. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, I think uh, uh, you were saying we're not experts in culture, but uh, what when do you think this is like how how should you try to implement this in a company let's say if it's somebody who who's really fascinated about it but is uh, doesn't really know how to to where to start from like because uh i feel like from what we're giving as, as an example to where you actually starting to implement it and start seeing value out of all those steps that you work quite hard to 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 implement is a pretty long road ahead and i think without the proper backing from maybe management or from the culture of the company who's really uh, looking forward to to those to do, to do those steps i think it's pretty difficult to and pretty scary to start start on this this road uh, what's your or your opinion what what how should this be approached or how should you? Uh, I think like, like when you're dealing with any challenge or any problem solving, the first step is really to kind of try to figure out what is it that you want to achieve? Because if you don't have a good idea of that, you know, maybe you don't need digitalization, you don't need whatever. Yeah. But I think the first thing to look at is from with information you currently have is are you, do you think, are you looking for say, improving your cost model. So for example, you're looking for streamlining some processes, automating a few things. So by that, I mean, you're not really looking for a new, to do new things for the customer, so to speak, but more rather do the things you're doing right now in the back office and your back end better. If that's your, that's need to scope that. If that's your goal, yeah, of course. that's something that you can look at. Okay. The other thing is like, no, actually, I think it's fine. I'm really looking for, we should have a better website or I'm, I have some new product ideas, but we're not testing it fast enough. So that's the first step. Have a, try to try to figure out: Am I looking really inwards, or is something that I'm trying that taps more into value propositions for the market, or I want to get more clients or different clients? So that's the first step. So assuming, let's say, it's the the, the later. So which is often for many companies because they think of additional information, they think about new products, new experience for the customer, what have you. I think then the interesting thing is to really look at your value proposition really deep and like with people who talk to the clients so not just like with the strategy experts but really with like with uh uh customer service and what have you so have some kind of workshop about what is it that we offer really for the clients coupled with of course numbers that you have but also coupled with some market analysis so what are your com your competitors doing is it how different is it how unique is your your value proposition that's kind of the overarching question yeah. for this part and doing that you can then 
find on a high level some uh, potentially some gaps, for example, given the customer they're looking for. Give with this, we're missing. Oh, we, we're missing. For example, if you're in, you're in finance, we're we're selling specifically, for example, a specific products and related to pensions, but we're not offering investments. It's like, oh, actually, a lot of people investment is pretty important, so we're missing that. Our, our competitors doing. I'm oversimplifying this, of course. On a broader level, is you start inwards, is it operation efficiency, or is more external new clients or a combination, mm -hmm. what have you, and then essentially is to figure out where do I stand. What are the gaps, and then prioritize that in the giving your strategic goals. That would be like a like a high level model for this. Yeah, yeah. And once you and once whatever you you get into, so okay, we've identified some gaps in available positions. So whether that means we're focusing on the new experiences, so it's not really a new products, more like new touch points, or a whole new product that you really need to take into account from the beginning, also the enterprise architecture. So really to figure out, okay, if we're gonna have a new system, have enterprise architects on the team and have a really comprehensive view of like, in terms of capabilities, where are you at right now and where you wanna go so that to be versus the as is and define those gaps. Good. That sounds, maybe sounds very broad because it's usually it's easier to have like one concrete example, but I think the main, take, main takeaway again is figure out your goal and with the, the right sessions with people who actually talk to your clients to identify these high level gaps. And do not, I guess that's more my, I'm not sure how to extend you agree with me, Vlad. Do not underestimate the value of also understanding technology in this part. To understand, yeah, for example, to fulfill that, if we're gonna go from, for example, monolith to microservices, if we're gonna go, you know, if you're gonna just, we're gonna go to the cloud, under, having somebody there that has this understanding is extremely valuable. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, it's uh, the the scoping part is really valuable in this before starting to do this and really having the the because if you if you don't have a great scope and you can't measure and you can't bring out the value as soon as possible and try to to you you it will probably not succeed. Because uh, I th I think from from my experience and from what I I read that a lot of companies struggle with that in the beginning and they don't produce good enough uh, they they don't prove that it's valuable soon enough and they they struggle to 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 continue with uh, with the digitalization for a process because it's uh they, they starting on they started on the maybe too broad or too narrow or yeah and um, i i agree with you yeah because also i mean companies are it's not the market is very complex the companies today are very complex so when it's a digitalization it's like like you said oh we're going with the whole company is going to transform yeah i'm not sure i don't know from what i've read yeah. that's, that's really ambitious and yeah, it's very it's, uh, hard because it's yeah and nobody is going to have the right granular understanding of everything because it is complicated. So, yeah. you know, if you go deep enough on HR, even like, that's why you have even domain architects. So there's an architect, somebody, it stirs too much information. So what you just said about the scoping, I think even domain, where do we start with and how do we measure success? If it's process that we want to automate, what is the problem we're trying to solve? Essential, that's how you start. So, okay, we are, I think that it's taking our back office too long to send letters or to reply to customer complaints. 
okay. And then essentially you sp speak to the people. <laughs> okay, yeah. how does it go? Map the value stream. Find, then go back to the whole design thinking as a first step, as a final step. How, how is the value stream split? What are the bottlenecks? How can we, and these bottlenecks, how are they reflected across time? Like, is there like a seasonality to it? Is it consistent with the same challenge or not? Why are the spikes? And given that, what are the potential solutions for that? And once you come up with, when you have this kind of solution in view, it's not just like, then you build, now you check with them and then you also create, you have like a, a view of the KPI, so to say. So in this example, oh, it's taking, for example, people in the back office, say three days to reply to a customer complaint email. Okay, so that's the benchmark. So then what is successful for us even the business case? Are we gonna reduce that to, I don't know, one day, half a day, 20 minutes, I don't know. But then you have those steps. But like you said, essentially the scoping, the domain. And uh, also, and, sorry to interrupt on this point, I think uh, it's really important to, for, to realize where, when is it good enough? You know, like when you're saying, okay, it takes three days to answer. Like, would it be good in good if it if it would it bring the maximum value if it would answer in an hour or in half a day or in a day? And what what are the implications in your organizations? Because maybe to reach that half a day response, it's a way bigger effort than to reach that day and a half uh, response. You know, so I think uh, I think you have to do a lot of. Uh, uh, to figure that out as well, you know, when does it bring the maximum value with the least maybe effort from from the organization? So you don't. I, I think a big mistake that mistake people do when they try to design anything uh, is to try to make it perfect from the first time. And I think here it's more of a test and change process, and that should really be followed uh, throughout the whole whole. Uh, to, to be followed all the time, you know, not to try to, to design everything perfectly or to try to, to be too ambitious and to actually realize if we would have tested earlier, maybe we would figure out that it didn't really bring that much value, but it set us back or cost too much or it was uh, really hard to implement from a people perspective. And uh, yeah, I, I just wanted to highlight that, that I think it's a... No, I think your, your point, that's a very good point. Essentially, which it's, it's like a, it's a common knowledge that we often forget, which is there's no perfect solution to anything. Yeah. There's just trade-offs. Yeah. There's limited resources and that's something to, I mean, an underlying uh, complexity in what we're saying right now is because I'm guessing that if there's some research and this is all this, for example, when you're trying to sell a project, it's like, like negotiation one-on-one. That's yeah. the, the more you oversell, the more likely you are. So then I, yeah. I, I get, it really gets more complex, but I think that the, the point stands to understand that yeah, when is success and what are the trade-offs? Yeah. And I think the last point, because we wanted to talk today, essentially, okay, talk about something that everybody has heard of regardless of their field, which is digitalization transformation. We wanted to give our simplified view of it with some examples, give some high level, suggestions of where to start and i think if you listen to us before we think what we said you know we were mentioning implicitly design thinking we we're mentioning applying you know an agile mindset of you know small increments and what have you so those are the uh underlying say uh tools in what we're saying but i think i think i wanted to just end with one thing that i think is interesting but often overlooked because it falls into enterprise architecture and for many people that's just jargon so Enterprise uh, uh, architecture is essentially like, it's the constant like uh, 
mapping the trade-off of the to be situation of your company and your company in terms of like of the processes of the technology the application landscape that it has infrastructure of now and tomorrow and constantly kind of trying to find these trade-offs and for example choices like do we stick with software x or do we split software x into w z and y what have you so that's kind of the the thing but what's interesting is and i think that's relevant for people who don't like it or don't care about it is a artifact called capability model and maybe sounds broad essentially if you just google the stuff it's like it's a representation of what your company should do to fulfill its value proposition that's what it is and it's an artifact uh from architecture but it's something that ideally if it's done well enough it should be understandable by everybody and the reason I'm mentioning this is because we're talking about digital transformation, we're talking about changes and trade-offs. This is a tool that many times, and in my experience, really helps kind of communication between IT and business. And it also helps general project management. Because many times, we, we, we said it quite a few times today, the market is complex and so are companies. And you cannot know everything. And the capability is usually, if scoped well enough, it taps into uh, a business process taps into it has a layer of data, it has a layer of infrastructure, but essentially it's a high level mapping of what your company should do. So if you if you use that in your planning, if you use that for your projects, and then you can kind of communicate to everybody, hey guys, so for example, capability is business unit account. If you think about finance, what is business unit account? Oh, for us on the on the process level, it's these processes. On a software level, it's using these softwares, and it delivers. It's linked to value stream x y and z and value stream can be a customer journey can be an employee journey what have you but what i'm trying to say is if you use this artifact if you try to use it and it's well made it becomes easier to kind of communicate and say hey we're actually making this choice of digitalization because we're moving a capability that is red now and red means it's insufficient given what we deliver to green in two years time so it is something that might sound kind of abstract and academic but in my experience it can bring a lot of clarity and then your question is great where do i start with this you need to have architects in your company but thankfully for many fields there's a lot of people that make open source capability models so i don't think for every field but you can find online somebody has tried to map it doesn't mean you can just use everything no but you don't have to reinvent the wheel it's mm -hmm. available in finance there is something called beyond which is an open source mapping for banks and again it's not fully applicable for everything it's very granular but it is a start with definitions and everything. And I think this can be a tool that can help you navigate your way through these conversations and essentially bridge the gap between business and IT.